uh, as Jocko Willing says, you know, discipline will set you free. And God, that couldn't be more true, man. It, it could not be more true. It seems so hard because it, it, it is fucking hard, guys. <laughs> 100%. Like, <laughs> like, I don't want to wake up as early as I do every day. I just don't. <clears throat> money so at the end of all right guys welcome back to another episode of the young startup today uh, we're interviewing someone that's actually a student of ours but someone that's been extremely inspirational has an insane work ethic a serial entrepreneur and the founder of bake bros over in arizona his name is nadim Al Hassan, did I say that correctly? <laughs> yeah, Nadim. Yes, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, you've been killing the content game. I'm like, damn, why didn't I ask you to come on sooner? Uh, I think you're a perfect person to talk to our audience uh, and just to kind of give everyone a recap and yourself. Um, it's called The Young Startup, and the reason for that specifically is because uh, we like to impact the younger demographic, meaning, you know, interviewing, talking to people that, you know, are young, have started young, but ultimately can just give advice to the young people out there that are looking to maybe get into entrepreneurship that can give some uh, advice, some wisdom and things along those lines. So without further ado, brother, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, and then we'll kind of kick it off from there. Yeah, Thank you guys. And it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, getting to know you guys over the last few months as well. Love what you guys are doing. I love your mission and your philosophy and uh, your dedication as well. But uh, as, as you mentioned, my name is Nadim. I'm, I'm out here in Phoenix, Arizona right now. I've lived here the last um, last dozen years, originally from the Midwest. Um, I made it out here for the cannabis industry. I had a, had a wrestling coach uh, in college that cannabis ended up really helping. And it was the first time I'd ever seen cannabis used as an actual medicine that really caught my interest, drove me out here. Uh, I geared up for the medicalization in 2010. And as soon as it passed, I got right into it, started cultivating, started doing a lot of patient to patient services under the, the state laws. And uh, ever since then, it's just been an absolute snowball effect or what I like to call big mo, just big momentum, just growing and growing. Love it, and, yeah. growing. and uh, lo and behold, we just uh, relaunched uh, or rebranded our entire company. Um, still baked bros, still, you know, me and my business partner, but uh, reformulated the products and uh, it, it was due time for, for, for a new shift and really happy, really proud about it, man. It, it took a lot of effort, a lot of moving pieces uh, from the, the formulations to the actual creative aspect and um, just launched that here in Arizona. So we're in about a hundred locations. And uh, we, we just manufacture and, and deliver. We don't have like brick and mortar retail or you'd be surprised how many people uh, a day reach out to us. Like, do you ship? It's like, what <laughs> country do you live in that ships THC? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but hey, maybe one day we'll be able to because there's, you know, 80% of the people that are reaching out to us asking, you know, they always include some backstory, you know, I'm like, you know, this is, I have a hard time sleeping or I was in a car wreck or, you know, I've got PTSD from this or that. And it just breaks my heart to not be able to actually, you know, provide them something that, that, that works tremendously if used and, and treated with the proper reverence, you know, it, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing product. Um, aside from that, man, uh, you know, I've, I've taken a step back from the company, which has been nice most recently. 
uh, not doing so much as the day-to-day work anymore. It's just, it's been 10 years and, you know, looking forward to, to doing new things. I've stepped into another role with another company uh, doing breath work. Um, you know, we've grown to just over 120 students uh, worldwide so far and got another 40 in the pipeline for our next online training. And uh, I've taken an interest into FBA, you know, and hell yeah. I, 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 I did my research. I'm, I'm one who likes to do diligence and uh, I landed on you guys, man. And I'm glad I did. I am, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's definitely an energy thing. You know, as, as we say in, in our, in our company, somatic release breath work is that the nervous system doesn't lie. And, and, you know, some of these calls I get on like discovery calls with, with people and uh, it's just like cringy. <laughs> so cringy, man. And uh, when I met with joy, I was like, this dude's awesome. I'm like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then aligned with you guys. So thank you guys. Happy to be here. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you got an awesome you got an awesome story. Like I said, serial entrepreneur, you're always you're always looking for that next opportunity. I, w- I would love to dig into a little bit more around uh, you know, you hear hearing about the legalization, you gearing up for that. You know, what kind of you talked about you're doing your due diligence getting into the Amazon space. What did that look like ten years ago within the cannabis space? Because it's evolved like crazy, obviously. Um, how did you go about researching? Um, and how did you like finally, or what was that tipping point for you to really be like, Hey, I'm going to move to Arizona and I'm going to gear up for it now. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start by saying if, if you told Nadim 10 years ago that you'd be able to walk into any dispensary, well, that there would be these things called dispensaries and you'd have a selection of 75 plus different strains and edibles. I'd be like, dude, you're high. (laughs) (laughs) like there's no way you can just go in here and buy this uh i'll circle back around to the to the question but it recently passed recreationally here in arizona last year and you know being a medicinal patient so having your, your medicinal license and then going to recreational it's it's still novelty you know like i remember vividly remember going in just last year and making my first recreational purchase and that was such a strange feeling, man, to walk into this elaborate dispensary and like all the selection, you know, hand them this, they hand me this. And it's like, that's it, <laughs> you know, um, but gearing up for that, man, you know, the, this is, this gets thrown around quite a bit. It's like, it's the wild, wild west and in, in, in over here on the West side, you know, from California to Arizona, a little bit of like, uh, you know, Colorado as well, which was the first to recreationalize cannabis in America. That's what opened the doors and that's what really shifted the nation's uh, view on cannabis. And um, the thing is, man, is that when you see something work that you've been told all your life is, 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 a, is, is bad, but you see the impact it has on somebody, you can never, ever convince me otherwise that it doesn't work. Now, I'm very cautious to say that cannabis is a cure. We don't throw this around. However, cannabis can help alleviate a, 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 a multitude of symptoms, you know, and we can really get into that on how it actually impacts the body, the, the endocannabinoid system and helps the body meet homeostasis and, and for all the reasons. But when I, in, 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 in 2008, when I'd seen my coach who, who had Crohn's disease in, in college, he would smoke cannabis and all of a sudden feel better. And again, I was using it recreationally. Then I, I've, I've wrestled for 20 years uh, I still currently wrestle and I, I was self-medicating sure, but I, I never, I never had a bad relationship with it. You know, I, I definitely had some friends that were like, 
Oh, dude, you're a loser. <laughs> but like Joe Rogan says, man, if you're a loser because of cannabis, you're a loser before you start smoking cannabis. You know, and, and, uh, and uh, seeing it work on somebody like that, and 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 this this man, this wrestling coach that to me is an idol, all of a sudden go from debilitated, you know, and crippled to feeling better in a matter of minutes, like that just blew my mind. And so it's, 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 it, it developed into a passion to want to discover why, like, mm-hmm. I, I always ask why, like, mm-hmm. why? I'm the same way. It's just why, right. It's how we break things down. And, you know, I, and I had to ask why, and it led me out here and, you know, I started researching where it was legal, where I could go. Cause being in Oklahoma was not the place to be then. <laughs> uh, and uh, California, you know, it's been legal for going on 30 years now. So at that time it'd been legal for about 20 and I was like, well, you know, 18 year old moving out to California, probably not the best move. I'll probably end up being in like a drum circle on Venice beach. Like, <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. So I landed in Arizona. They, they, I, I was looking at States that were legalizing or going to legalize. So that's where I guess the research really began is, Hey, where in the nation is it about to go legal? right? Where is there an opportunity? And I got that idea from my dad. My dad owns pizza restaurants and my dad, uh, you know, he, he owns seven when he went, um, at, at his peak, he now owns three with his main restaurant being in a little city called Roy city, but he would always find cities that were on the outskirts of the major cities that had mm-hmm. potential to grow, you know, and that's how he ended up becoming the more established restaurants in those cities later on when pizza hut and papa john's and all those would come in you know his business would always survive but i've seen multiple pizza huts go out of business yeah you know and it's because he had he had established himself so i saw arizona pass or uh, pushed to legalize twice but failed in 2010 they were pushing for a third time and it was very it was in favor so i i had a feeling it was going to pass um, just from what I was reading, from what I was researching and sure enough, it did. And so, you know, that was, that was the, the first step. And then if I'm thinking about, okay, well, what is the root of this industry? Like, if you want to be successful in this industry, what do you need to know? You need to know about the plant. Yeah. You need to know what it is, you know, how to grow it. It was a good, it's a good space. So in the beginning, I thought I was going to be this, you know, like master grower and all this stuff. And, uh, I definitely got into growing. I definitely put about five years into growing, had an opportunity to, um, get recruited up to the Northwest, helped open up a dispensary up there. Uh, I ran a 2,500 square foot grow out there. I lived on an earthworm casting farm, like literally. And, uh, I lived with with some like Willie Nelson looking dudes, (laughs) generational growers, long beards, overalls that uh, they taught me almost everything I know about horticulture, you know, uh, cannabis and non-cannabis, because it, it's the same thing, you know, give the plant what it wants, unrestricted space for its roots, give it its, its, its organic. So they taught me how to grow with worm castings, bird castings, uh, organic compost, top feeding, and, you know, having gone from growing with synthetic nutrients to organic nutrients, how robust the actual plant becomes it's called a full spectrum was is bar none far superior than any other grow that, that, that I've, you know, dabbled around with or played with. So 
at that time, I started, I, I took an interest in learning about what the root of, of, the, of, of the industry was, and that was the, the plant. I needed to understand what cannabinoids were, right? This is THC, CBD, CBG, there's a lot of them. Then, okay, what else is there? And when you start, when you, when you, when you ask what is the root, usually that leads you to the next thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, we call these, I call these thought tunnels or rabbit holes. Right. And so that led me to terpenes, which are essential oils that are found in the cannabis plant. Um, they're also found in grasses and fruits, you know, like, um, uh, well, I have a big lavender bush right here in my office cause it calms me down, but the smell of it. So lavender has what's called linalool and that is a terpene. And that terpene, whenever you smell lavender, that's what you're smelling is linalool. And mm. that has uh, uh, anxiolytic effects. It reduces anxiety. And so that is found in a lot of these strains that reduce anxiety. Mm. There are hundreds of terpenes, but there are five that are most abundant in most strains. So we've heard of indica and sativa and hybrid. Uh, for those that don't, indica puts you in the couch. Sativa is cerebral, so it's very heady, and a hybrid is a mix of the two. These are called strain classes. A strain class does not make a strain a strain. So just because something is called an indica doesn't make it an indica. What makes it an indica is the terpene profile. So for instance, uh, and I'm gonna throw some funny names out there, okay? Because strains have all kinds of weird names. There's a there's an iconic strain called Granddaddy Purple by uh, Ken Sobel. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a legend and pioneer in the industry, and uh, it's called Granddaddy Purple. And there's a strain called Blue Cheese. Sounds gross, I know. <laughs> These are both 100% indicas. They are meant to uh, relax you or uh, act as a sedative, just put you in the couch, but they are dynamically different. So granddaddy purple, because of the terpene profiles, is phenomenal for pain, phenomenal for pain. While blue cheese is phenomenal at putting you to sleep. Like it will mm. put you out. And it's because it's high in a terpene called myrcene. This is found in a lot of fruits, like mangoes and a couple other things, you know, but it's the composition of the cannabinoids and the terpenes that make a strain a strain. Mm. There was a, there was a, 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 a scientist named Dr. Ethan Russo, and he is the one who discovered what is called the entourage effect. And the entourage effect is the symbiotic relationship between cannabinoids and terpenes. And so until a light was really shined on that, we didn't really know what we were using strains for, you know, people were just like, oh yeah, give me an indica but then they'd go back to the dispensary and they'd get another indica and it wouldn't give them the same effect, mm. you know? And so that's, what's, that's one thing that's made Baked Bros stand out amongst all the other companies is that since the beginning, we have always been strain specific. On a lot of products and dispensaries nationwide, you will uh, read the package and it just might say indica or sativa or hybrid, but, mm. but what indica, what hybrid? what sativa, right? And, and in terms of, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll use alcohol industry. If you go to any Circle K or gas station and get a Miller Lite, it's going to be a Miller Lite every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time. doesn't matter where you get it, right? We need to have that same consistency, 
right? Or if I take an ibuprofen, it's going to be ibuprofen every time. <laughs> I need that same yeah. consistency if we're using it for medicinal purposes, or just uh, if it's trying to, if you're trying, if your goal is to elicit a certain effect. So, to, uh, in 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 summary, starting with the root is really what will open the door to putting you down that rabbit hole on like how many different components are interconnected. And that's what opens the door. And, and, and also, you know, with that, I think what's most important is you have to have a love for learning. Mm. Like, I was not, I was not an A student. Like <laughs> I was a, a low B C student most of the time, you know, uh, and I really didn't have a love for learning. This didn't happen until after college. I went to college on a wrestling scholarship, totally joked around, you know, found uh, this, this love for cannabis. And I found something that I was very interested in. I, I all of a sudden developed this love of learning. And then I applied that same love of learning into multiple different things like marketing, you know, I, I'm, I'm the CMO of the company. And so, well, what is, what is required of a CMO? And then what is required of a founder of a company, right? We have 35 employees at our peak, we had like 50, you know? So it's like, oh, okay. Making decisions is really important of a leader. You need, yep. to, you need to learn how to make decisions, right? And if you, you make a decision, if it's, even if it's the wrong decision, make a decision, right? You need to know, you need to develop people skills. You yep. need to learn how that and understand that no two people are the same. And, and how you talk to them and how you treat them is going to pay dividends, right? And then you need to learn how to develop people, develop your, your, your employees, right? Because 100%. get them aligned on the mission and the vision, right? People want a purpose in a company. That's what they want. They want to be mm -hmm. aligned with the vision and they want to know that you support them in their dreams and aspirations. Absolutely. You know, so learning those few things uh, and, and again, that comes from asking why and, and what, right? What does a CMO do in an industry? What does a leader do? And then it's like, oh, get very narrow, focused on those things and start reading. <laughs> start asking questions. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And it's so simple, but people neglect it. The ability to ask great questions is one of the most fundamental tools and skills that a person can develop because, you know, you start to put yourself in that state of, you know, understanding from a more logical standpoint, rather, rather than imposing, you know, your specific way of answering that question. Um, and then from a leadership standpoint, you know, Eric and I have been able to develop uh, as great leaders over the past year. And it's, it was predominantly because of that reason. We, we asked why and we empowered that person. They felt more involved with it. They grew towards our vision a lot more. Um, and the journey is a lot better like that. And it feels more empowering. Well, it's also, you know, understanding company values, understanding the vision of the company. That's how people buy in and that's how you can build people to build the company, right? I'm a, I'm big, I'm a big team person. I'm a big people person. Uh, the people is what build your company and you're there to make sure that they are there to do so, essentially is what it is. But if you don't know what that looks like, it's so hard to find those people to do so. They have to buy in to be able to do it. So, <clears throat> Nadim, I'm curious, uh, you know, you went to, you went to school uh, on a scholarship in wrestling, uh, how did that translate into uh, you know your entrepreneurial life? Uh, you know, going to being on a team, being athletic, um, you know, following uh, a path of some sort. How how was that translated? Uh, whether that be positive or negative in your life? 
That's a great question, man. Um, and I have put thought into this before. I've, I've actually reflected on that. And so um, I, I wrestled from a very young age, started when I was seven, uh, wrestled all throughout school into college. When I moved here to Arizona, I got into jujitsu. I did pro fighting for about five years. Uh, the first time I went to Vegas was uh, I went to Treasure Island when I was 17. It was my first pro fight. So that was really cool. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I've, I've just trained in jujitsu ever since. And um it's fascinating because I didn't like sports that involved uh, a lot of teamwork. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like basketball. I didn't like baseball. I didn't like football. You know, there, there's a saying in wrestling. It's a solo fight in my team's honor. You know, like you, you go out on the mat. It's one on one. You win. If you win, you get six points for the team. That's how it works in wrestling. You know, and so it's like, I went and did my part. So go do your part, you know, and it may have been the wrong philosophy to look at then because uh, I, I, it definitely carried over into um, whenever, whenever I would, you know, even before I had my own business, you know, I was working, I've worked at restaurants really my whole life leading up to then I grew up in my dad's restaurant. And so I, I was always a, a, a mule, if you will, I would just work hard work hard. You're like, get it done, get it done. My, my dad, you know, immigrated over here from, from the middle East when he was 18, went to school, did the whole thing. And, you know, he worked hard and he still works hard. And, um, while it's a, a good, it, it taught me good work ethic. I definitely have recognized the flaws in it, you know, and, um, <laughs> with that as well, it's, it's, it's caused me to step back and realize that, I can't bear all the weight, kind of like you said, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's having a team will grow the company a lot quicker. You know, it's like uh, Helen Keller, I think said alone, we can do so little together. We can do so much. And, and when I really like, really let that sink in, like, man, it, 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 it dynamically shifted the, the dynamics of the company and like how we were going to overcome certain obstacles or projects required me to learn how to delegate. You know, it wasn't until high school, until I became a team captain, that I started to take on that responsibility, you know, of learning how to be accountable and, and, and responsible of my team, you know? And, and, and until then, that was when it shifted for me, was like, oh, dude, you can't just be like your, your own solo guy in this. Like there's, there's accountability here. It's, it's necessary. And then lastly with that is... Uh, with martial arts and and probably sports in general, you know, you, you learn discipline. You know, uh, I, I would like to say, especially in martial arts, you you, you learn discipline. And uh, as Jocko Willing says, you know, discipline will set you free. And God, that couldn't be more true, man. It, it could not be more true. It seems so hard because it, it, it is fucking hard, guys. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, I don't want to wake up as early as I do every day. I just don't. <clears throat> I, I don't want to, you know, do the things that I, that I enjoyed or that, that, that I need to do so that I can enjoy doing the things that I want to do. Right. But it makes it, it, it compounds. It's just that slight edge. You know, it's that 1% every day that truly does add up to 365 at the end of the year. It sounds so cliche, but it's so simple. Yeah. It's so simple. You know, that I catch myself, um, uh, uh, silly stuff like you know the the laundry's in the dryer and the buzzer goes off it's like ah, i'll get it and then i walk away and i'm like fuck and i turn around and then i go get it right yeah. like, do it now just do it now just get it done 
you know, and I know that feeling. Yeah, we, we, we have to, we have to train ourselves to, to do that. And the, that that's called limbic friction, right? That it's, it's limbic friction. The, the moment in between where you're like, ah, I'll do it now. Oh no, I'll do it later. No, I'll do it now. And I'll do it later. That's called limbic friction. Okay. And it's, that's what, that's what that um, prior I had stated, even if it's a wrong decision, make a decision, because what we want to do is we want to reduce that amount of time that we sit in between saying, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Am I going to do it? Because that's what creates the, like the neural synapsis of indecisiveness. Hmm. We want to eliminate that. That's what we want to eliminate, right? Just so we can just make freaking decision, like go, Yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll correct it if something goes wrong. Right. And so, um, you know, full circle is that uh, it, 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 it definitely translate, it translated into uh, uh, having to be more of a team player. And it also instilled a lot of discipline, um, which I'm, I'm very happy that uh, I, I was able to stick with sports, you know, throughout that time, because I see a lot of people that I'm like, man, you just need to get choked. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. No, I love that. I think, uh, yeah, for us, like I, I played soccer my whole life. So me, it's, it's normal working on a team, but similar to like, to, similar to what you said, everybody plays like I play defense, Brian plays forward. He has a role on the team. I have a role on the team, right? You're contributing to the team effort because there's never, never going to be an eye on team at the end of the day. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and Discipline is, it's such an easy and simple philosophy at the end of the day, but um, it's hard. I love how you said, I'm assuming you read The Slight Edge. Yeah, I love that book, man. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming you read the one thing. I think we vibed on this on our first meeting, but those are like two of my favorite books. Um, but yeah, like doing the one thing that gets you 1% better every single day uh, and that compound effect is so freaking powerful. And for those that is, that are, that is looking uh, to develop discipline that wasn't able to, you know, we grew up in a very disciplined family, transparently. Um, it wasn't hard by all means and we're very, very thankful um, uh, that our parents grew us up the way that we did. They're both immigrants, they're both from war both uh, hardworking cultures uh, and that allowed us to distill a ton of discipline within our lives that has translated into it. But for those uh, that maybe had it easy and, and didn't have to you know, work through those, those factors, uh, just focus on doing the one thing every single day. Uh, it's such a, such a simple thing, but if you can get 1% better every single day, uh, you're gonna get exactly like you said, 365% better in, in an entire year, so. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to, uh, on, on the subject, you know, your recent post, I think I'd, uh, I, I forget exactly what the post was, but I can remember what I put and it was like, Hey, you got to know like the micro steps to get to where you're going or to like to see the path clearly. And so for anybody that's listening to this, like you, you have to write it down. Yeah. You mm -hmm. have to have something right that you're aiming towards, you know, otherwise you can't break it down. Yeah. So it's like have the big goal but then have the micro steps in between, yeah. you know, um, which I think this was on the subject of what you said was, is like, dude, you ended up nailing your quarter goals in one month. Right. And, and yeah. we, we underestimate what we can do in, in a year and overestimate what we can do in, in 10 years or something like that. Or I, yeah. when I said that backwards, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, it's so true. You know, by, I have found that when um, I allocate a time, like time limit to certain projects, dude, I crush it. You know, Absolutely. instead of saying, I'm going to do this today, I'm going to do this today. And I write down what's important. Yeah, that works. But then I put a time to it I'm mm -hmm. do this in one hour and I end up doing it like 30, you know, and it's because I'm putting a constraint on me. That's um, 
Oh gosh, I, I'm having a, a a blank, but the the law of whatever. It's just like a Parkinson's law. And yeah, Parkinson's yeah, yeah, yeah. You give yourself as much time as you need to get it done, and you're gonna do a lot more work with the longer the the, the time that you give yourself. So it's like, dude, if you need to like bust out writing content, don't give yourself to the end of the week. Give yourself to yeah. the, like the end of the day, because you will fill every gap in that you can with not writing content <laughs> <You Exactly. know? laughs> it's like you know and, and lastly on the subject of and i'd love to hear your guys's take on this you know there's a lot for, for for people listening there's there's a lot of uh motivational people out there that uh you know we'll think like david goggins and uh you know some of these guys that are just like <laughs> you got a hammer like you can't be a bitch work hard <laughs> Harder, harder, harder. You know, like, listen, dude, like, I get it. European blood and you're awesome. And you got up and you started running like that's you're an anomaly. Okay. Let's just let maybe, (laughs) maybe I'm being a bitch, but like you're you're, you're an anomaly and that I, and, and I love your, your stuff. But for those that are listening that want to get started, like have grace with yourself, like have grace on yourself. There were going to be the days where you just don't want to do it, like period, you know, and it's a matter of just like acknowledging that, not sitting in the shame or the guilt, because that's not going to serve you. Mm -hmm. And then just moving forward, like Mm -hmm. don't do it the next day, just move forward because we're human and a human is a human is a human. Yeah, we just uh, we just had a mindset call with our coaching, which our coaching coaching group. Uh, I don't know if you were on it, but uh, this is something exactly what we talked about. So we talked about routines. Um, and one of the questions that came up was like, you know, obviously we were just in Vegas for a week. Uh, we fell out of routine naturally because we were, you know, we, you, we work hard to play hard at the end of the day, right? So we were networking throughout the day. We were at the conference and then we had uh, like mingling sessions at night. And then it was like, you know, you go and party with everybody. So there was nights where, um, you know, where I usually go to bed at 10, 15 p.m. I was going to bed at 3, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., sometimes even 5 a.m. So uh, one thing that I learned the hard way was definitely you're going to fall out of routine. Be okay with it and don't put shame on yourself because that's what puts a restriction on you, right? And then when you ease back into things, don't just go gung-ho, in my opinion. Don't go gung-ho and be like, okay, well, I'm back tomorrow. I'm waking up 6 a.m. because that's just not going to work. You're going to feel burnt out. It's going to be really, really hard on, on yourself as well. So don't put shame. Don't feel bad on yourself. If, if you wake up one morning and you're like, crap, like I just can't go to the gym because I had a crappy sleep, do what feels good. Like just don't be listen, hard on yourself. Listen to your body. Yeah. Uh, I like what you said about, you know, David Goggins. And I respect all those people. But like you said, they are anomalies. Uh, you know, one thing that I think Eric and I have evolved a lot on was when we first got into personal development, it was all like, hey, let me read about the most successful people and let me adopt exactly what they're doing. Because if I can do that and they're doing that, I'm going to be like them. But it doesn't work like that. You need to figure out, yeah, now our philosophy is like, hey, let's read a book. Let's take one thing that works for us, that actually works for us. Let's implement it, try it out, test it out. If it works continuously, continue doing it. If it doesn't, put it away. So it's just a matter of, you know, finding that balance between what you're learning, what you're intaking, uh, and just figuring out what works for you. You don't need to be like everybody else. I think it's a matter of listening to your body and who you are and where you want to go. And I think it stems back to, you know, that vision, you know, having that one thing on paper uh, that you're working towards and then having those steps towards it. And by all means, it's going to evolve, right? And that's where more development comes in. That's where, um, you know, changing your actions, adapting comes in. And I think that's, 
that's what entrepreneurship is in a in a nutshell realistically yeah yeah there's a lot more security in a nine to five <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's what i love about it i was actually talking uh, in that same call there like you know, if I, if I was going back to my nine to five when I was working there, I'd come back from vacation, I'd be just dreading work, but like I was itching to get back to work. Same. I love it, I love it so much. Um, Same. <laughs> I'd love to talk more about like, you know, your journey over the past 10 years, building Bait Bros, uh, entrepreneurial, building that company, what that looked like. Obviously, I guarantee that there was times that were tough. Um, you know, what, what, were, what was some of your journey like? Um, why should people continue doing what they're doing and not give up on their dreams? Um, some of the hardships and challenges that you face and yeah. how you got out of those things. Just a, just a few to uh, areas of topic. I think that's where a lot of our audience learns a lot is people that have been in business uh, for a while and have gone through that because you know we're firm believers of you know hiring somebody that has gone through the hardships, learning from their mistakes so you don't necessarily have to make them or you have an understanding of how to approach them. Yeah, yeah. so um, <clears throat> number one, cannabis industry is a very, very ambiguous industry. Yeah. And uh, we have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars due to um, laws that were implemented that nobody could have seen coming. You know, even having hired lobbyists, um, you know, that are supposed to have their finger on the pulse and, you know, and keep you informed and, you know, they, but there's things that even get around them that they don't know that all of a sudden they're just implemented. And Hey guys, this bill's going to pass in May. Like we just had one. Um, <clears throat> so for our new products um, and I'm going to shout out guys, bakebros.com. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have, we have two products called stony and sleepy and they have a cannabinoid in there called Delta eight and Delta eight is an analog to Delta nine. Delta nine is THC. Well, Delta eight can be mass produced and it's not federally illegal, but it's virtually the same thing as Delta nine. I mean, it is Damn. one molecule different. And so what people are able to do is they're, they're able to mass produce CBD from hemp and then they convert CBD into Delta eight. And so Delta eight has swept the nation, you know, uh, we're at like 12 States now that have banned it, um, because it affects the actual, uh, cannabis industry because you have people, uh, like these dispensary owners who have poured hundreds of thousands of hundreds of millions. Sorry guys, hundreds of millions of dollars into the cannabis industry. And now, you know, you can go to Jay's smoke shop and get a $20 Delta eight vape pen. So why would I go to the dispensary and get a, you know, 45 or $50 vape pen, you know? Mm. And so from a, from a business perspective, I get it right. Uh, from a consumer perspective, I'm like, come on, you know, and I like, God, there's plenty to go around. Um, but we had a cannabinoid in, in, in our sleepy and stony products. And we had this cannabinoid. And uh, just a month ago, we found out at uh, our dispensary association meeting that a bill is being implemented in its full effect at the end of May that Delta 8 is going to be banned from Arizona. Well, we have half a million dollars worth of packaging that's already been printed. <laughs> oh, my God. Now we can't use it. <laughs> so holy crap! Awesome. <laughs> how did uh, I'd love to hear your guys? So that happens. Uh, how does your team strategize on what to do next? Uh, how did you guys adapt, and how did it make you feel? How do yeah? I just want to know, like, how, like you, yeah, exactly. Like in taking that was obviously like a shot in the gut. Yeah, <laughs> and then like, yeah. yeah. What did that process look like realistically? Yep. Um, it's not the first time, so I I felt it. But there's, 
we, a human is a human and all the emotions, we process them and we move through them, but how we respond is what's going to make the difference and how I respond and how my business sponsors or business partner responds and us at the C level respond is how the rest of the team is going to respond. So we can't go in there dropping bombs and being like this and that and that. Oh, I'm feeling it. Trust me. I'm feeling it, but we can't (laughs) go in there. We just have to go in there with what we can do to make shifts. Right. And so immediately, what can we do? Well, let's go ahead and put another, uh, let's get the process started on all the artwork. So what's the first thing that needs to happen? We need to change all the artwork. We need to get it all updated all the packaging files. Um, you know, we strategically, when we ordered this, we ordered enough for three months packaging because something always happens guys. Something's always happens. And so we ordered enough packaging for three months. Okay. So we have three months worth of packaging that has this on there that we're no longer going to be able to use. So that means on our next order, we'll have the updated artwork. And in three months, you know, come like June, we'll have our new packaging. We'll be good to go. Got it. What can we do now to solve our current issue? Cause we can't throw this out because we don't have packaging. Well, the only thing you can do is, is to get labels. You know, like the reason we, we ordered the packaging the way we did was because it's like, it's, they're printed on the container. Like it yeah, looks it way better. Awesome time. Yeah. It's for all the reasons. And so now not only did we, you know, pay an arm and a leg to get the packaging, but now we need to pay an arm and a leg to uh, get labels on these tins, you know? And so one thing that we did, we are a veteran owned company. And so uh, Thomas spent five years in the US Navy and we're looking for opportunities to employ veterans. We, we do employ a lot of veterans, um, but there are some co-packaging facilities here in, in, in Arizona that as long as there's no cannabis in the product, then you, know, you can give these guys you know, jobs. And so we found one where we're going to have all of our packaging delivered to them, what we already have, and they start labeling them. So wow. we, 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 we printed labels that reflect the change that was needed. And then we color match them. So you can tell, but you know, it it doesn't look that bad. Um, And they just get to labeling, you know, and they're labeling hundreds of thousands of tens, uh, you know, (laughs) and and that's what they're on. So it's like, you know, what do we need to change right now so that we can correct this for the future change? What can we implement right now to save what we have right now? Okay, let's focus on that. And uh, how, how does it align with our values? And one of our core values is impact, you know? And, and so if we can make an impact, let's do it. And let, let's, you know, it, it, it's going to, it's going to, instead of, because our team still needs to focus on production. And if we take their time away to label, it's going to put us back. It's going to put us behind on, on, on production. We're going to get backlogged. It's going to be a nightmare. Mm. So, okay, cool. 50 cents a label to have these guys label it. And it, they're veteran owned company and they employ veterans and awesome. Let's do that. You That's know? Awesome. So, and you know, it all becomes a part of the story. You know, it really does. It all becomes yeah. a part of the story. Or the journey, the process. Yeah, it does. It does. So, you know, that's, that's one incident, you know, but with, with being in the cannabis industry, these, these, these pivot and move type scenarios happen so often and you have to learn to just control your emotions. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I've, I've worked with and had business partners that just like could not compose themselves. And it's like, it's so detrimental you know, it has such a negative ripple effect on, on everyone around. And it's like, you have to be able to contain yourself because like when we open this up, it's like, if how you respond is how the rest of the team is going to respond. And, you know, 
kind of like parrots. They're going to say what you say, you know, they're going to feel what you feel. And so, you know, if I'm on the back end with, you know, my girlfriend or something, yeah, I might be complaining, you know, but that's because she's asking me to, and she's like, Hey, I know you need to get it out. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, 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 you know, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to backdate a little bit now, but like in the earlier years and like in 2010, 11, 12, you know, we were on to something like we were really on to something like the cannabis industry is blowing up and, you know, um, we needed help. Like we didn't, we were 20, 20 and 21 years old, like not making a lot of money. You know, I was working at the restaurants by, by day and night and, you know, making edibles by evening and, and doing like just doing the best that I could. And, we needed money. We needed help. Like we needed to get equipment, you know, the equipment that was available at the time and nobody wanted to, to invest, you know, now it's like everybody wants to invest. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't need your investment now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, and, uh, and, and it's, it, it is pretty comical, but, um, you know, seeing that opportunity, uh, early on, like, do your best, like try and, 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 and develop skills that, that, um, force you or provide an opportunity to think forward. Like, like, again, it goes back to asking questions. What's this going to look like in 10 years? Like mm-hmm. what I'm doing with FBA with you guys right now, you know, I love that you guys are so aligned on create a brand. Like, yeah. Hey, you, you can create a product. You can white label it. You can totally do that. Yeah, for sure. And it will work. Right. But create a brand, you know, cause where I see the product that I'm working on, where it's like true, where it's going to be in three years from now, that's, that's what I'm aim, aiming towards. Like, I don't expect the first year to be uh, popping, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I know I, I have a good <laughs> feeling I'm going to make good money with it. Sure. But what I'm really focused on is literally three years from now. I already have the next three products that align with this first product, mm. but I'm not going to launch them because I need a proof concept, this first one. So it's like, you have to develop skills that allow you to see like that, can provide the opportunity to see into the future and also understand that things are going to change. Yeah. Got to always adapt. Yeah. Pivot and move, you know, just pivot and move. And so we were on to something and, and in 2013, uh, before I get into this, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you're trying to build, you have to be involved in the industry, meaning Dude, set up your Flipboard app so that you're reading articles on your industry. You know, like I I have uh, Flipboard. It's an app. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, you can cure. It'll curate special articles for you. Cool. So I have one on cannabis. I have one on Amazon. I have one on breathwork. I have one on nervous system. I have one on all the things that I'm interested in. And when I have downtime, like usually every day, I find one to read, right? Like you just have to. You just have to be involved. You just have to be reading something. You know, you don't have to take notes the whole time. Just, just be involved. You know, subscribe to newsletters of, of your competitors. Subscribe to newsletters of your industry, right? And so going backwards now, in 2013, our nation's head neurologist, Sanjay Gupta, went on CNN and he gave a national apology to the American people about misguiding the American people on the medicinal benefits of cannabis. And the reason he was able to do this was because uh, Colorado had recreationalized. And this is when, this is when the, the whole world, this is when everything changed for the entire, for, for the entire world, really. Uh, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know. Why I'll in. We'll edit. <laughs> um, it, this is where uh, the, the world really shifted 
especially for the United States on, on cannabis and the legalization. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was an indication when I saw that, when I saw that on CNN, I like, Oh my God, this is on CNN. Like it's about to get nuts. And sure <laughs> enough, the very next day, every dispensary I was in, I was in the North Northwest at the time, every dispensary had a mile long line. Holy crap. Yeah. They're like, I saw this on, on TV and, you know, I've never tried it. I'm trying to learn more about it. And I heard that this could help. And, you know, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Opened a lot of doors. One of those doors was that, uh, high times cannabis cup. It's the, the largest, uh, most prestigious cannabis event and magazine in the world was coming to America. They've always been in Amsterdam for the last mm. 30 years. So this was going to be the first high times cannabis cup in America. This was 2014 and well, the first recreational one. And, uh, my, my buddy Thomas was going to school at the time. And, uh, he, um, so his mom had passed away from a pharmaceutical overdose, uh, you know, for malpractice. And it really set the trajectory for what he wanted to do, which was become a doctor. He started pursuing, uh, uh, school after the military. And while he was in the military, I was in the Northwest. But when I came back was right at 2013, he was going to school, just like he said he was going to do, very militant and regiment and what he says he's going to do. <laughs> like, hey, man, I know you're trying to go to school and everything, <coughs> but, or and, <laughs> High Times is coming to America and we have to go to this thing. And he's like, dude, I'm trying to become a doctor. I'm not going to go tarnish my name for that. <laughs> I'm like, you want to help people, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you can help a lot of people this way. And, and it just kind of clicked. Like, I could just see it like, all the symbols like Zach Galifianakis, you know, just like, <laughs> and it just clicked. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, cool, let's do it. And so he agreed. We ended up uh, going to that, that uh, Denver, Colorado cannabis cup. And um, we entered a product and we ended up winning. So, you know, we ended up taking an award at, at this first high times cannabis cup in, in America. And uh, that's really what gave us uh, a, a stronger merit when we came back to Arizona. So we started reaching out to because disp- like we didn't know anybody in the dispensary. Like I didn't, I didn't know these guys, you know. So it's like, how do we get in touch with them? Mm-hmm. Let's let's write proposal letters. Like we just started writing proposal letters and like walking into the dispensary and like, can you give this to the owner? <laughs> <laughs> knocking doors. Everybody got. Everybody's got to knock doors. Yeah, man. And uh, and lo and behold, you know, one a uh, few of them ended up meeting up with us and. Uh, we ended up striking a licensing deal. And uh, so, so to be clear, we don't own a dispensary license. We actually license, uh, we, we, we pay a, a licensing fee to operate under somebody else's banner. And uh, you know, it's, 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 you're, we were building a parachute on the way down. Like you don't know, you don't know how it's going to go. You, mm-hmm. you often don't, you can only plan. And, and, and uh, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, like, planning is uh, a plan is useless, but planning is indispensable, you know? And, and that's one of my favorites because it's never going to go according to plan ever, ever. Right. But if you have a plan, if there's the process of planning, then you've at least done 75% of what you can do because just expect that 25% is not going to go according to plan. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's really it, man. And, and, and developing again, skills to, to deal with, ambiguity it's one of my favorite words like a lot of things are ambiguous so many <laughs> you things. just don't know 
Yeah, man. I love that. I love, I love building a parachute on the way down. I've heard another saying, which is very similar, but entrepreneurs jump off cliffs and build a plane on the way down. Um, but yeah, that's, that's powerful, man. One no. thing I, one thing that's, you want to, no, you go ahead. One thing that stuck out to me was, uh, you, uh, so what, uh, we were at a mastermind, uh, with Armin, one of our mentors back in, um, January, like just recently, it was pretty recent. I can't remember. Um, and the president of think and grow, the think and grow rich Institute was there. And he said, um, you know, practicing like the subconscious mind, all of that. Um, but he said that you don't need to, what was it? you don't need to go to opportunities. You just need to be ready for when they come to you. Yeah. Right. So powerful. Cause it's, it's, it's such an easy concept, but people, people look for all of these opportunities, but if you're in a good mental state and a good capacity to receive those, you know what to do with them when they do come to you. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you, you, it allows you to make the decision. If that's an opportunity you want to act on. Exactly. Right? It's um, it's the beautiful law of attraction. It's like, you know, yep. if, if, if I'm asking and asking and asking and asking, well, that, that, the, the very act of asking, the, the act of desire, the act of desiring something, wanting something, when you want something, you are in a, you're in a scarcity mindset. And if you're in the scarcity mindset, you're not going to get what you're looking for because mm -hmm. you're, you, it, it's going to be right in front of your face and you're going to miss it. Yep. Because you're, you're in such a, a scarcity mindset that like you literally look right over it. And so shifting that everything is always already happening. It's already there. It's already right in front of you. You know, there's a, a Ram, not Ram Das, and I don't want to get too Eastern philosophical with it because I love this <laughs> stuff, but you know, he, 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 he has a, a guided meditation where he talks about everywhere you look, you'll see God. We're not talking in religious context. We're talking about in universal principles. Everywhere you look, you'll see God. You'll see creation. You will see life, right? And so if you just look, if you just stop and be still, that's when that inner voice comes through. That's, that's where truth resides. Mm. Is that inner we all have it. Yeah. We all have the voice. We all have it. And, and some people, um, well, I'll, I'll back uh, I'll, I'll, one moment. It's, it's a skill that has to be developed to sit in silence, to hear that truth. You know, this is meditation, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. This is what meditation allows for or <laughs> cultivates. It cultivates space for that inner voice to come through. You know, uh, Socrates was a firm believer that truth comes from within. It, is, it comes from silence. It comes through, you gain knowledge by asking questions and then sitting still. And hearing that we have to dampen the other senses, sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, all these things, right? In a world where like, we're so distracted by them, like there's so many and it's a double-edged sword. They, the, I mean, guys, I'm talking to you across the world right now, you know, and it's, it's amazing, right? These things that serve a wonderful purpose can serve a wonderful purpose, but use them to your advantage, you know, and, 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 you know, don't allow them to oversaturate your senses, right? Allocate time to find that stillness, to find that silence so you can have that voice come through. You know when you're doing wrong or right. 
I don't care if you're drunk. I don't care if you're high. I don't care. Whatever. I've, I've drank before and I've known when I was doing wrong. <laughs> like, you know, if you're doing <laughs> wrong or right, guys, like it's just bottom line. Moral <laughs> you, compass. Yeah. Every, everyone knows. Okay. So there's the truth. There's, I can't think of, of any excuses, you know, personally, yeah. everything is a decision. I agree. Regardless of the state of mind. 100%. That's powerful. Yeah, man. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so look, what we, what we like, <laughs> we always do this. Like, yeah, he was about to say this exact, I guarantee he's about yeah, to say the yeah. exact same thing that I, that I was going to say there. But uh, how we like to end things off is, uh, you know, what are, what are maybe one or two things that you could give uh, someone that is maybe looking to get into business entrepreneurship at a young age, whether that be someone in high school or, or someone that's maybe in post-secondary that maybe doesn't want to enter the corporate, corporate world. Uh, what is one piece of advice or two pieces of, of advice? And you've given a ton by all means, but what are the two biggest things uh, that you could say uh, to our audience? Um, and then after that, pimp yourself out where people can find you. Uh, you post a ton of great content, so please uh, share your IG uh, and, and whatever else you, you, you feel necessary to share. Awesome, guys. Number one would be uh, success leaves clues. You know, So find somebody that you want to develop a skill where in an area where you want to develop a skill and a career that you want to pursue and go meet them. Love go that. find them they're out there you know um i i i love speaking i love speaking to people i love public speaking and i literally started picking up books on how to public speak and then that led me to googling public speaking and then that led me to toastmasters you know toastmasters is an organization that's worldwide mm-hmm. and and they've got these little groups um you know that meet up all over in every state and you literally get to practice speaking and it's free, <laughs> you know? And from that, the network that I've developed and the people that I met, I met mentors through that process. Wow. People that recognize your dormant skills because you just don't have the eye for it yet, but they have the experience, mm-hmm. you know? So love success that. clues, go to the places where success is dropping clues. I love that. I've never heard find that before. A, That's freaking awesome. Find a mentor. You know, find a mentor. Mentor doesn't have to be a rich billionaire. No, dude. Like a mentor can be come in all shapes and sizes. You know, they, they absolutely can. Um, the second one would be uh, this is going to go back to the slide edge, man. And anybody, anybody who hasn't read that book, pick it up. It's it's very it's a very digestible book, and you know, it's develop a daily discipline. It, it, at least one at least one daily discipline, just so that you can get in, 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 the, in the rhythm of what it's like to hold yourself accountable. Like accountability is tremendous. And when you have a partner, an accountability partner, man, like talk about an unlock. But if you can also develop the skill to hold yourself accountable, mm-hmm. doors will open that you didn't even know were there. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, like the, the daily journal, you know, it's like, I'm going to bed and I'm like, eh, I'm tired. I'm not going to do it. It's like, no, I'm going to do it. Cause I'm going to hold myself <laughs> accountable. It's literally just three sentences. I really need him. You can't do three sentences. So it's like ho- developing that skill of, of accountability. It's, it's a skill that translates into any career, mm-hmm. any career, and you will stand out amongst all of your peers, if you do what you say. Yeah, man. Love that. You, regardless of your educational background or whatever, like you are enough. You are plenty. 
And, yeah. and if you can, if you can lock that skill down, man, ask questions and accountability, you'll stand out amongst all your peers. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to add to, to the last point there. Um, it's like brushing your teeth. Like everybody brushes their, I hope everybody brushes their teeth every single day, at least once. Um, but that's something that was instilled to us, instilled in us from an early age. We were grown up to brush our teeth and now it's, it's a habit. Like you don't even second guess, you know that you need to do it. So all you got to do is approach any new habit that you're looking to, you know, get into, uh, any new discipline that you're looking to instill, just think of it like the same thing. It'll eventually happen over time where it starts to become second nature. Yeah. And, and, and it, when it, when it, when, when, when you know you're making that shift or like that shift is becoming, you, you find yourself like, you find yourself wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, I, I really want to do that 10 minute, you know, Apple fitness exercise. You know, it's just 10 minutes, you know, whatever. It's like, man, I really want to do that. You know, it's, it's that's how, you know, it's working. That's yeah. how, you know, those neural synapses are, 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 have been created, right. You're, you're, you're creating it. And so that's beautiful, man. Um, so, uh, bakebros.com is our edible company and you can check it out there. In addition to that, uh, I have another company called somatic breath work that I'm a part of really happy and, 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 and love my, my family and team there, uh, making waves here really to focus on, on releasing dormant traumas in the body and expressing emotions. Um, please check it out. Somaticbreathwork.com or somatic, uh, uh, release on, on Instagram. My personal Instagram is just Nadim dot Al Hassan. So Nadim period Al Hassan. You can check me out on there. That's A L H A S A N. And, uh, would love to connect with you guys. DM me, shoot me a message. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you so much.